Welcome, my name is Doug Simcox and I'm the host of Beyond the Shoots as presented by Parasite Systems. Today we have a very special guest on the show. He was the 2010 Wrangler National Finals Rodeo Barrelman and I first met him on Labor Day weekend in 2000. Please welcome from Cave Springs, Georgia, Rockin' Robbie Hodges. How you like that, hey, Robbie? How you like that, Robbie? I'm, uh, well, I'm digging it, man. I'm digging it. I'm so happy. I'm so glad that you called me about wanting to visit and talk. Um, I've, I've had a lot of friends in this business, but uh, I'm going to tell you what, you have always been one of my favorite people, and to get to do something like this with you is incredible. And um, we, uh, we, have some, we have a lot of funny stories we're going to tell. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a, a good session. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let's start this session in grand style. So where are you today? What, what in the world are you doing? I am actually in Gulf Shores, Alabama at Gulf State Park. I'm overlooking the bayou, which is overlooking the Gulf of Mexico. I'm about, if you listen real close, you can hear the waves. Mm. I'm at, um, at the state park here and I'm getting ready to do, um, a week here at Bulls on the Beach, which is down at the world-famous Florabama Lounge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a topic of a lot of music videos, from Kenny Chesney to Jimmy Buffett and all those, the Bama Breeze and all that. That's what those songs were about. And uh, they have a bull riding there, which benefits St. Jude's. Oh. And uh, this will be my 10th year. Oh, wow. And I'll be, uh, I'll be here... Uh, we start Thursday and go to Sunday. I just came from uh, Cleveland, Texas. I've been out on a Texas run, mm-hmm. and it's kind of slowing everything down just a little bit now. You know, we're in the we're in the short rows. We got about two, three more weeks of the regular season, and then we, um, you know, we're waiting to find out about NFRs, and we're waiting to, uh, you know, stuff like that every year. And it's just kind of my rest time right now. This is sort of my vacation week, I guess oh. I call it. Oh, that's great. That's great. Now you're still working, but but oh, yeah. but you get a you get to be quiet and you get to be close to the rodeo and you played last night. So tell our listeners what you're doing there. Okay, well I'm actually a musician also. I've got a couple songs out and a friend of mine called me last night and uh, his voice was shot, so I went and sat in for him at the Florabama at from the 10 to 2, so if I sound a little groggy, that'd be why. <laughs> but uh, it, was a, it was a great crowd, and I love that bar. It's kind of my hometown bar, you know, and local establishment here. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved down here oh, probably, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, uh, just kind of back and forth. I live in my RV. I have a farm in North Alabama, and I, I live – down here so I can be a dad to my kids. My uh, ex-wife and I, Lynn, we get along fine and mm-hmm. just decided a long time ago that we were going to let the kids be the priority. So mm-hmm. uh, I live on the ranch. And then during this time of the year, I come down here to the to the beach because my stuff's closer and I can, you know, get right, get my barrel and all that stuff for the rodeo this weekend. Okay. Okay. Because you're not carrying the barrel with you as you're out and about, like coming from Texas, or they provide one. How does that work, Robbie? No, I have it. It's in oh. it's in my rig. I just wanted to get it closer. It's actually it's only about 15 miles to their ranch to the coast here, mm-hmm. but it's on a horrible road, and to get to uh, to get to it takes an hour. Okay, it's just terrible. 
Okay. Okay. Understood. And and I've been thinking, you know, Labor Day weekend this last weekend, uh, and as I said in the opening, this is uh, this is the weekend that I first met you in Iowa. Absolutely. Dayton, Iowa, 2000. Do yeah. I have my numbers right? 2001, I think it was. Was it 2001? Okay. Yeah. Actually, to fix that, I yeah. did the finals in 2001. I did the IFR, so it was actually 2002, Doug, because I had booked that rodeo out at the IFR that year. Oh, okay. Okay. So it was 2002. So we ain't known each other near as long as you thought. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> so, so I want to get back to that first meeting, which was grand, by the way. I mean, it's stuck in my mind. I can still tell oh, you gosh. bits and pieces, yeah, of that first weekend together. But, but I want to double back if I can. Okay. Sure. I want to. I want to. I want to go back to the beginning. I want you to tell us about growing up, Robbie Hodges. Okay. Well, I. Uh, I was. I was born in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, and um, I lived with my grandparents a lot. My mom, she was. I mean, we get along great. We're good. You know, we're awesome. But I just, you know, she had gotten married, and and I loved being on that farm down there with my grandparents, and uh, we moved up to Cave Spring. And then um, up to Georgia, where my grandfather was from, and he we had a farm up there. And uh, I went to school. I started school at Cave Spring, first grade, and then went to the third grade. And then my mom got remarried, hmm. so they wanted me to move to Atlanta. Um, from third grade to the eighth grade was pretty tough on me. I was a country kid, you know, and small, and you know, a little rough complected kid. And I was a pretty bullied kid when I was, when I was younger. I, uh, wow. that was, that was five years of, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was, it was pure hell. It was misery mm-hmm. being that, you know, being in these rich kids schools and, and stuff and me not being that, you know, and, um, it was a very trying time in my life. Yeah. And, um, I knew nothing about rodeo, had no idea. didn't do anything, tried to play sports. That wasn't going to work. Uh, you know, I was so small, I'm five, six, you know, and back then I was a little 110 pound kid and, mm-hmm. you know, they used to beat me up, put me in the lockers and oh, stuff like geez. that. And I just thought that that was going to be, I just thought that was going to be the way my life was going to be, you know? And, and, uh, mm-hmm. after a while, when you're a bullied kid like that, you don't have any confidence, mm-hmm. you know, it just, mm-hmm. you, you almost cause things that do that. I'm not saying that's with everybody and it's not your fault. It's just. You know, you, you, you do that and, you know, and you, you almost expect it. It's sort of like a, you know, a toxic relationship. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but you know, that was, that was a, that was a rough time in my life. And then in, uh, eighth grade, 1980, mm-hmm. 81, uh, my parents, they got divorced. So I moved back with my grandparents and, um, I remember going to back to Cave Springs school and, um, for the first time in my life, I did. I felt safe again. You know, oh, I God. felt, I felt like you know most of the people in that little town are kin folks, and you know, and um, even then, I tried. I almost tried to be bullied. You know, it was such a uncharacteristic. What well, you made you made mention of that a bit ago, and I want to go into that just a bit, if you can, just share with okay. us. You said sure. you do things that cause to be bullied, that caused you to be bullied. Uh, and, well, and, yeah, what do you mean by that? Um, you just, I, I guess you expect it. It's like, um, it's like a tooth 
that hurts and you know you shouldn't bite down on it, but you do, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or a lip that's got a spot and you bite down on it and because you expect it. And then, you know, that was the norm for me to get picked on the norm for the cookies I made for my mom in third grade, the guys throw them out the window of the bus, you know, and getting put in lockers. And it was so bad one time. I, and then I, at one point there, a, a real saving grace, uh, a friend of my mom's uh, named John Guzzo, he, uh, he was a big muscle built early guy. And I, I think my mom kind of never mentioned it to her, the bullying very much, but I think she had a sense of it. So I would go with him. And one time a kid that had stole my jacket, just to give an example of, you know, a, a bullied kid, he, uh, kid stole my jacket. Well, I, he, I see him, I'm with John Guzzo, the biggest, look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. And, um, I said, that's my jacket. And he pulled in there. We were in a 1972 Camaro. I'll never forget it. And he pulls in there and he said, that's your jacket right there. Let's go get it. I said, oh, wait a minute, man. That, that's not it. That's not my jacket. No, you know, no. where I should have said, hell yeah, that's my damn jacket. Go yeah. in there and, you know, go in there and get that thing, beat the crap out of that guy for me, you know. But right. I was so used to that lifestyle of, you know, being picked on. And, and I was rough complected, you know. And, and it was, it was, it was going to be a miserable life. And, uh, you know, I was very fortunate. I moved down with my grandparents Mm -hmm. and, uh, it was so funny. The first day I get back to Cave Spring in eighth grade, Mm -hmm. we go right back to Atlanta to the Capitol. Oh, wow. wow. So I had to go right back down there and I'm like, what in the world? (laughs) So, you know, my, my school, the, the class went on a field trip to the state Capitol, Yeah, you know, which, and, I remember seeing I had there were two very uh, cool popular twins at the school, and I find out that I'm related to them. They're my cousins. So um, every day they go out there. I'll tell you how long ago this was, Doug. We had a smoking tree. A smoking tree. In high school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you remember those days? I kind of. So that's where they'd all gather up to smoke the, the well, yeah, but students? No, they wouldn't. No, yeah, no. but no, some of yeah, the students would, yeah, right. under a magnolia tree. Okay. And yeah. then, but in the front of the school there, and I remember uh, Greg and Jerry Shaw, they uh, they would rope a bale of hay all day long. I mean, or during breaks, you know. Oh, wow. And they were popular. And at our school, if you got in trouble, you had to go to Thomas's, who was our our uh, principal Thomas Dempsey's and uh, you had to go feed the cows. If you got in trouble, that oh, was your job, Wow! <laughs> you know, okay. and then, you know, after you got your butt paddle, you had to go with a paddle ass to the, <laughs> to the hay field to get up hay or, or whatever, feed the cows, you know? So I watched them one day and I, I remember walking out, I saw them roping this bale of hay. And I thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. You know, that's what they did. They were team ropers in Georgia high school rodeo. Okay. And from that moment on, and then one day they said, uh, I, I remember this so vividly. It's so funny. They had an old brown truck, and without even asking my grandparents, because, you know, they let me play with the rope that couple days there, and I was even left-handed, and I learned to rope right-handed because of them, oh, you know, because I, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't know you could even get a left-handed rope. Like I said, I knew nothing about a rodeo or any events and so i'm roping this bale of hay and then one day uh i hear them talking and they said uh, yeah we got to rope steers this afternoon and i said can i go with y'all and they're like heck yeah you can you know i didn't even let my grandparents know i wasn't even on the bus you know i was oh, wow. Wow. i was 
14 years old, you know, and so uh, I uh, I went with them, and, and I guess I was, I remember sitting in that back seat of that car, I mean that truck, and that was the first time in probably six years that I wasn't scared, I wasn't going to get bullied, and I had the two baddest ass guys you could ever have, you know, yeah. and they were they were taking very good care of me and uh you know and i remember and so the first day i get there and their dad was a big larger than life man i just actually um i just uh did the eulogy at his funeral three weeks ago oh wow and i kind of i told this story you'll have to forgive me if you hear it the blue angels are flying over right now that's pretty cool that's pretty cool yeah yeah sorry but (laughs) they're pretty cool so uh I remember this larger than life man coming down there and Jerry and them, we're, we're putting uh, artificial horns on calves, you know, cause mm-hmm. you know, they, they wrote calves and did both. So, you know, they would team rope them. And, um, Greg says, grab a hold of that calf right there and bulldog it. I didn't know what that meant, but I damn sure grabbed a hold of him mm-hmm. <laughs> and he drug me all the way to the other end of the arena. And I remember the last thing I saw was him standing in my kidneys, all four <laughs> feet on my back, yeah. and me under him between his front legs, still holding that head and pulling it to the ground. Yeah. And I see Uncle John, that's what I called him. He's my cousin, but he, we called him Uncle John. John says, Jerry, you're going to kill that boy right there. But he didn't turn loose, did he? Yeah. And yeah. from that day forward, um, I, was a, I was a different person. Really? And, um I couldn't afford a roping horse. I couldn't, you know, like I said, my grandparents didn't have a lot. My, my granddaddy worked as a tire salesman. He, he worked his butt off every day of his life to make sure I was good. You know, mm-hmm. he would change tires. He'd change skitter tires, and tractor tires in his business suit. You know, he'd go out there. He was the greatest salesman in the world. And he, uh, so I go home that night. My grandma was like, where have you been? We thought you were kidnapped. You know, I said, I was in Uncle John's. Okay. Every day after that, I was over there. I was really? over there every day, helping them, learn to rope, do everything, but I couldn't afford a horse. So one day, I don't remember what it was, hit me, and I thought, bareback riding. Really? I I'm going to be a bareback rider. Really? Okay. That's So how you're 14 still. Yeah, well, I, yeah, and this had gone on probably six more months, so I'd actually turned 15 in January. Okay. So, so this rolls around. Go so, ahead. so had you seen bareback riding? Had you heard of it? I had probably watched it on. Yeah, I'd watched it like a Wide World of Sports or okay. something, you know. And that's back when they used to, you know, that Wide World of Sports used to come on and they'd say, you know, and they showed the Calgary and they showed the guy riding a bucking horse. And for some reason, I still remember the smell of rosin when I first. Got, there's something about it. That's weird, but I uh, I went down to. A uh, guy named Bill Hall, he was a tax salesman in Rome, Georgia. And um, I remember I bought me some rosin, I don't know why. And my, my first rodeo was in October of 83. Uh, I, I went to high school. I had to talk my grandmother into this. Now, you can imagine, my grandmother didn't even want me to get a horse. And here I am fixing to ask her if I can ride Bronx, you know, and she's, First, she said no, so I didn't really tell her everything. I got my granddaddy to sign for me and my mom. Yeah. So uh, I went to my first high school rodeo with a work glove, a borrowed bareback rigging from Lane Mobs, a pair of roping spurs, <laughs> nothing else. <laughs> okay. And so let me you, tell you. Had you been on a bronc before going there? 
Hell no. Okay. Okay. I'd never even, I stuck my hand in a bareback rig in about four days ahead of this. I just okay. decided that's what I wanted to do. So okay. Charlie Lowry, 4L Rodeo Company, was having a high school rodeo. Okay. And I remember I got on a Strawberry Bandit, and I made it about, I don't know, six jumps, which I was expecting to make it none. Right. And I got up, and my life was ruined. <laughs> And it has been. Your life was ruined. Ruined. It yeah. ruined my life. Because so, let me tell yeah, you something. Yeah. Every day, yeah. everything I did, I, I even went as much. I'd work and buy me some wild ponies or some wild mules, wild horses, whatever I could buy. You could buy you could buy an outlaw for $80 back right, then. You right, know. right. I had, I built a barbed wire arena. Oh, Okay. In a, in a little lot. Yeah. And my buck and shoot had a gate that was too short, and I would pull my own flank strap. Oh, my goodness. And I would be there by myself. If I'd have hung up, I'd still been dragging around. Right, right. No and, uh, pickup, man. Nobody there to. <laughs> oh, gosh, no. Hell, it was just me. And you know what's funny? Yeah. My books were sitting. This is how dedicated I got to this. My books were sitting on the fence post. Okay, okay. I got off the school bus. And the barn was across the Highway 411 there. Yeah. Never went in my house. Yeah. And I'd go over there and I'd get on a horse. And I probably really? got on five or six a day, you know, or the same one, whether he bucks. Sometimes I just let him ride. I'd, I learned. Mm -hmm. And um, this was 83 and 84. I went to the state finals because I rode one horse that year. And, you know, well, the next year um, I went to Gurney Giger's rodeo down in Florida, Hilliard, Florida. And. It was like a light switched on, and I spurred this horse some. Mm -hmm. I never went back to the guts, mm -hmm. to the D's. Mm -hmm. Started spurring, and I won two state championships, high school rodeo championships. Wow. I remember looking at that buckle. I remember looking at that at that belt buckle, Doug, and mm. that was the first achievement that I ever got, you know? Wow was was winning i mean i'd won a rodeo you know here and there because i was the only one but that was the first thing that i did by myself every bit of it nobody in my family rodeoed you know except those two shawl boys and of course they didn't you know they roped and i taught myself to ride bucking horses i rode in the d's the first two years and learned how to ride mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know and they all it almost got to that again, Doug, with that bully. And they were like, yeah, we'll deal him up. There he goes. You know, okay. he's winning the deal in the guts, okay. you know. Okay. Okay. And I, but this time when that happened, I wasn't comfortable. You know, I wasn't comfortable being bullied. Okay. And so I went on and um, so, in my senior year, so, so, so back up here a little bit. You're, okay. you're throwing a lot out here, which I absolutely, absolutely love. You know, I'm looking back and, and uh, on my notes here. So just so you know, I type notes as you talk so I can kind of keep mm. track of everything. Okay. Oh gosh, um, you better. And, and I go, <laughs> well, and it just, it just helps me really pick up on some things. So living in Atlanta, you got a contrast right. to this, what you achieved. And when I sit here and, and I hear you say you do things that caused you to be bullied, you just expect it. That's the norm that you're going to be bullied. And thank goodness yeah. the cool kids, your cousin, the Shaw boys. Yeah. Right. Right. So all the right people coming in at the right time. 
And yeah. for some reason, and, and was this normal that kids would be roping during recess or whatever? It'd be roping bales of it's hay? country. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they'd bring a bale of hay because, I mean, they were high school rodeo and they were the most popular kids in school. Okay. And, um, and then, and then just, just, it, it's just amazing. You, 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 you find your work club, you borrow a rigging, you got roping spurs <laughs> on, and then you go work and buy horses. Now I didn't know any of this. This is so wicked yeah. cool. And I don't want to lose it on our listeners. Barbed wire arena. Can you share with them what happens when you get off on the fence as we see uh, r- uh, riders do every so often? Yeah, you get uh, you get to go to the hospital and get stitches. <laughs> Let me tell you, many of them. Yeah. Uh, but you know what's funny, and, and yeah. to skip along just a little bit, there was a lot of great bareback riders learned in that arena. I guess it was the incentive of don't get off on the fence okay. and you better ride. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we didn't even plow it up. Yeah. It was crazy, man. And uh, so, did I, did uh, you did you ever get hung up? Did you ever get hurt? Anything, no, any, in no, that I guess the good Lord was the good okay. Lord was looking out for me. Okay. I, I, I never did. I never, I never got hurt in that arena, and I can't believe it. Yeah, that you know. And then later on in life, I started putting up a few Wrangler signs and the Winston Rodeo signs. I'd get out of the Montgomery okay. Rodeo or something, you okay. know, at least to slow them down when they got to the other end. <laughs> right. I mean, and this ain't no big pen, Doug. This thing ain't much bigger than a round pen. Okay. okay. Let's imagine okay. it's, let's imagine it's ninety feet by ninety feet. Oh wow. Okay. 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 Yeah. 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 I mean, you could, you could, it looks like somebody's lawn. Okay. Right. With an old beat up buck and shoot and I'd slide the slots in the back. I didn't even have gates. Yeah. I had one gate at yeah. first. The first time I did it, I had two crates and the horse had to step over the crates when I'd knock them down. <laughs> oh, I see. That was the gate. That's what kept them in. That was you, the buck and shoot. You could push yeah. them over and then they, yep. yeah, at least I'd pull my flank. I'd reach around there and pull that flank <laughs> when I knock that over and then go to ride. And then you had There's to get no it. reason I'm not dead. Absolutely. So after you pull your, after you pull the, the flank, you've got to yep. get in position, make sure you're, you're set so that you have a shot at riding the horse. Yeah. So, I had to, yeah. I had to reach back there, get yeah. me some flank rope. Yeah. Sometimes it was a bull flank, yeah. whatever I had. And then I was finally got enough to buy me a flank. But okay. Uh, Frankie Folsom used to come over and he would help me. He was okay. my little traveling partner in high school and he would come over and do the same thing. And we'd ride and practice and, you know, and stuff. And, um, I got pretty good at it. Yeah. And, um, okay. I just, I, my mom, my grandpa bought me a horse named Meg mm-hmm. and that was the toughest horse ever. Cause we bucked her. Now when them other guys come over, they'd actually, I couldn't believe it. I'd be astonished. They'd actually want a pickup man or something in the arena. I mm-hmm. couldn't believe it, you yeah, know? Yeah. So I used her to pick up. We'd buck her. She didn't buck very good, but <laughs> yeah. hell, we didn't care. Right, you know what I mean? Right. We were kids, right, you know? Right. And I just, I just developed, I developed two things right there, mental strength and, and, and physical strength, you know? And kryptonite to a bully is confidence. I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that makes sense. Yeah. And once I got my confidence about riding bucking horses, they didn't mess with me anymore. Okay. You know? Okay. And, 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 and just the way you walk, just the way you talk, how, oh, I mean, they aren't totally watching your ride. Swagger. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I was the only bareback rider from that school. You know, they had some, they had some bulldoggers, Richard Aaron. He was always cool, but, if it wasn't for my uncle John mm-hmm. and those shaw boys and my grandparents, mm-hmm. you know, and my mm-hmm. mom had the, you know, foresight to send me 
back there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of saying, no, you got to live with me. Yeah. You know, yeah. I said, I want to go back to my mom and papa's. Okay. 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 You know, so I go back and uh, it, it developed into everything I did. Ate, slept, you know, fought, rodeo. Everything I did was riding bucking horses. That was the most important thing in my life. I didn't care about school. You know, I was a uh, C to a D student, but I didn't care because I knew this is what I was going to do. You know, I, uh, I, you know, I could have, I was, I guess I'm intelligent. I don't know. You kind of have to be to be in my business, but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I didn't care, man. I, I didn't go to school to learn. I went to school to sit out there and, you know, and watch them rope. And then they graduated. And then the world kind of got jerked out of from under me in 1984 when they closed my school. Oh, wow. They closed Cape Spring School where we had one hallway and we had 14 in the graduating class. Mm -hmm. It went to 180. Okay. You know. Okay. So, but, you know, um, I carried a lot of that confidence with me even to that big school mm-hmm. and uh, I kind of kept to myself. I didn't, you know, I had some great friends that, and then there was two or three over there that kind of got started rodeoing cause they figured if this little guy could do it, you know, maybe they could and they rode bulls and stuff and uh, Kenny Holder, Danny worship, some of them guys, you know, when that was our group we hung out with, you know, at Coosa, some of them went to Coosa already. Some of them were already there, you know, and then there'd be four or five of them after they figured out what I was doing, they wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. So then we had a, you know, a nice little group of high school rodeo guys, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and then, you know, they all kind of went their own way and, you know, not me, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-uh. mm-hmm. I'm going to ride bareback courses. Okay. You know, I didn't okay. go play football and I didn't do that. I tried to play football Mm-hmm. And I played 14 seconds the whole season, and about 12 of that was getting up off my butt, you know, right, where it knocked right, me down. But right. and I figured out I could do push-ups when I want, and I could actually maybe win a little money doing this deal, you know. Mm-hmm. So we had a thing called DECA. I don't know if you remember what that's when you got out of school early. Okay, DECA. Before. No, go ahead. But it's a. Uh, it's I don't know what the you know it's mm-hmm. but it's it's. It was for your occupational skills or what, oh, you know what I mean? Okay. You, okay. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and you get out at noon your senior year. Okay. And uh, and go to work. Uh, and and you had to show a paycheck. And you had to show a uh, you know, hours. So what I did, I got the guy down the road that I'd bought a bronc from and I'd break his two year old colts for him in the afternoons and he'd put down my hours. And I missed 31 days my senior year going to rodeos. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I, I got in the ACA. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't win, but I would play some. And $168 to me was, you know, I was rich. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, now, what is the ACA? American Cowboy Association. Okay. It's, uh, okay. it's, it's not there anymore but it was it was it was a regional associate like the acra that you you what was it we used to do up there those APRA, were ACA. APRA. apra apra that's the ones yeah um you know some of them we'd do while we were up there okay. you know it was way smaller than the ira or the prca mm-hmm. the regional you know i don't like to say amateur because uh i was making money yeah you know <laughs> yeah. yeah but um yeah. i probably say that more than i should now from you know the position i'm in but you know, everybody has a choice they make, and, and that's fine, you know, what association it will be in. For sure. So I go, and I, 
in 89, three years after that, I won my first ACA saddle. I won the championship that year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I won two of those. And then uh, 90, 90, 91, I won in 91. I won another one in 91. 92 and 93, I just rodeoed over there and got married. Um, and then I went to some IRA rodeos in 94, and I met a guy named Cody Sosby, the first one I went to, him and okay. Craig Cooper. Okay. And they were so nice to me and so friendly. And, you know, because I was the new guy there, they didn't treat me like it. They you know, they just treated me like one of them. And, you know, cause I mean, I was, I was riding pretty good then, you know? And mm-hmm. so that year, 94, I, uh, I was fourth in the IPRA and had a chance to win it. Of course, we was riding against Arthur Stoner and right. so that was going to be tough in Melbourne, but you know, I was the next best guy with Sosby there, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so there's, you know, and I was at Milwaukee and I slid up on a, one of uh, Wendell Rashford's horses, and it flipped on me, broke my sternum. Wow. Stuck that rigged in my chest and uh, broke broke my sternum. And it, uh, I remember climbing out of that bucket shooting, laying there, and I could feel my entire heart beat all over my body. I could feel it. It was so weird. I mean, all the way down past my kneecaps because my sternum and pericardial sac were hitting my heart. Oh, jeez. Oh my! So I could, you know what I mean? I so I could feel it, mm-hmm. you know, because that's the core of you. And I stayed in the hospital for three days, um, and then got out and went on. And I was the first guy to ever wear a vest in the bareback riding, probably ever. Really, to to wear the the Kevlar vest or whatever the the. Yeah, but it wasn't even like the ones now. This was a tippery they called okay. it, and it was for jockeys. Oh, okay. And it had breaks in it everywhere. It had a little like one by two inch uh, foam in it, and jockeys wore them underneath their uh, their suits. And because uh, you know none of them the 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 vests that we have now are so good, you know. Mm-hmm. And nobody had one, so I, I wasn't going to get mashed like that again. I didn't ever want to go through that, so I wore that vest, and I promised my wife I'd wear it, and I did, mm-hmm. and. Um, so then, you know, I wore it the rest of my career. Okay. So so let me back up just a little bit. Breaking your sternum. Right. I mean, that's a big deal, dude. Breaking your sternum. Mm. You're in the hospital for oh. three days. What was your recovery time after that? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, that happened June 5th. Yeah. And I got back on probably July. Oh, wow. End of July. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I got so, I got itchy pretty bad. It was hurting a little bit, but I no I, damage. I stuck it out. No damage to the heart or any anything. No, else. no, no. It was fine. No, no. I was very lucky there. You know, okay. it could have been bad. Okay. It did. Uh, it did. Uh, bust my uh, gallbladder, so I'd have it out. What? I sound like old people talking about my injuries. Is that right? Um, you lost your gallbladder. Yeah, in a horrible bareback accident. Who listens oh, to that gallbladder? Now, you wait, know, wait, people, wait. Not this same accident? This same yeah, accident. It oh, just my. took it a while. It got inflamed, and it, oh, you know, it mashed it pretty good, I guess. So, yeah, wow. they took that out. Yeah, it was and, a couple years later that okay. they had to get rid of it, but that's what the cause was because he said, oh, this thing's got Barstow stamped on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Oh, my goodness. So, so did you come back strong? I mean, you're only off a month. Yeah, actually. 
Yeah, I actually did. I came back pretty strong, and I uh, I came back very strong and ended up staying fourth, and I went to the IFR. It was my first IFR. Mm-hmm. I won two go-arounds there, and, uh, yep, and I uh, won two go-arounds, and they missed my first horse out to win the average. Oh, wow. And, uh, yep, and it, it was uh, – that was some good times, man. Me and Sosby got really close and, and the guys I was rodeoing with and, and I was traveling with Doug Tucker then. Remember Doug? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um he was a bull rider and, and Doug and I would go together and me and him and Boyce Knox, Tommy uh Johnson and and those guys and we would travel um in my Ford Taurus. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll never forget okay. that. <laughs> I had a Ford Taurus and um we drove that thing about a hundred thousand miles and we had one of them jet bags on the top of it. One of those, like a jet box, jet bag, you know, right. the, like the Griswold family right. Christmas. So we could right. sleep in that car. Okay. Man, we burnt the wheels up on that oh, thing, my dude. Goodness. And, and traveled yeah. mostly along in the Southeast. How far no, field did we you went get? Everywhere. We would leave, we would leave. I'll tell you this story. We would leave on, um, this is funny. We would leave like on Thursday and we'd go, let's say to Dothan, okay, to Ken Treadways. And then we'd leave there and we'd go up to uh, Indiana, all the way up to like Goshen, Indiana, and do one for Ladding. And then that was Friday. And then Saturday we'd go over to, uh, oh, let's say to Sammy's Swearingen's. You know, we'd go over there to New York or we'd go to pennsylvania or we'd go to new jersey they had a lot of them and then on sunday we'd come back through and we'd be in somewhere in west virginia mm-hmm. so um wow. you know and then i'd come back home and i'd get home monday morning about eight o'clock in the morning and there was a couple guys there that they didn't rodeo very hard but they were very popular in the rodeo you know they'd tell everybody where they went and did stuff and, and he'd i'd be sitting there and i'd i'd always because I'd be drinking, they didn't have Red Bulls and stuff like that. So you'd be drinking Mountain Dew, eating uh, Stacker Twos, you know, to stay alive and drive all night and all day. And Right. And then, so when I'd get back Sunday or Monday morning, you know, I'll drive all night and then get back Monday morning. I'd just stop at the little cafe there in Cave Spring and I'd get me something to eat. Mm-hmm. For some reason, biscuits and gravy with cheese on them would put me to sleep. So <laughs> I'd go and then I'd sleep all day, all day on on monday you know and, mm-hmm. and then but i'd be sitting in there and they go now where are you been i said well last you know thursday we were in dothan friday we we're in goshen indiana you know saturday in new jersey and just repeat the whole story now you don't rodeo like that little holder boy do you know he went plumb to gadsden down there to one the other night yeah, <laughs> i was just yeah. like you know here i am changing the oil every two weeks in that car you know Golly, you could rodeo so hard there. I went to 125 rodeos one year. Holy cow. What year was that, Robbie? And you were going 95, 94, 95. Okay. 94 and 95, yeah. Okay. And I went to all those rodeos, and um, we would, uh, like I said, that was our trips, you know, and, and I kept Doug going, and mm-hmm. then we'd get in his van. We, we graduated to his old van, mm-hmm. and uh, that's how we would, uh, that's how we traveled, you know. Okay. And, uh, and then – uh, '97, I had a was I had my first kid '97 uh, in okay. April. Okay. So, I was at Preston's rodeo over in Salisbury, Maryland, mm-hmm. and um, I got on a hopper. I mean, just a hopper, and I was letting them roll pretty good there, and I felt burning sensation in my right arm. When I so after the whistle, I double grabbed and I looked down. 
and I had this Popeye on my arm up about almost up to my armpit. Oh, wow. And my bicep detached. And, you know, I was, I was like, that was 90, that was 96. I was, uh, I was, had a really good chance to win by then. Uh, we'd lost Arthur Stoner, you know, and, and, you know, by then. And so I, uh, I decided not to get it fixed. And my doctor told me, oh, yeah, you'll be 75% because you have a muscle under it. Well, I was about 60%, and they got to pulling on me pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I had to be very selective about where I went. You know, I had to get on wild horses. I couldn't really get on them J-bar stout horses because they just, you know, and I'd about halfway through the ride, they'd get to tugging on me, and it, I, I really couldn't lift anymore. You know, all the strength was in that bicep, and I didn't go get it fixed right away, and I finally in the fall it, it got to bother me i couldn't hold on so i got them to try to reattach it well they couldn't they had to reattach it above my elbow oh wow you know so oh, wow. I, I had no elbow power yeah oh, so okay. cosmetic is all so went on there and 97 my son I, I was going to get a shoulder surgery done the same and i got, got him to work on everything on me at one time you know so I remember waking up and my best friend, Bedford Lacey at the time, he said, uh, I, I wake up from my surgery and he's sitting at the foot of my bed and we had taken my son Reed to the hospital because they saw a heart murmur. You know, they just wanted to give him a little checkup. When I woke up, he said, um, you awake? I said, yeah. He said, your son's been life flighted to, uh, Eggleston children's hospital. Oh, wow. And, um, He's, he said, you know, his heart's a wreck. And I went, oh, geez. So I spent, with both arms in, a, in cast, I spent um, two weeks at Eggleston Children's Hospital with my son, you know. And here's the deal. I was, uh, I was winning. I was very successful after that, 98. And uh, I was winning a lot of money. And I... Uh, but I was bored at winning. I was bored because I needed to be home because I felt bad when I, it got harder and harder to leave them kids, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, that year I decided that was going to be my last IFR cause I was the second oldest bareback rider there then, you know, mm -hmm. thank God for Rob Gillespie. And, uh, he was older than I was by a year. So okay. mm -hmm. I didn't want to be the oldest guy, you know? So I, uh, I gave up the IRA rodeos and went back and started doing some rodeos. And in 99, I went and a horse stepped on my back and dislocated my shoulder, my right shoulder, my riding arm. And I was out for a while and I didn't want to be the guy that every time the radio needed change and then my shoulder would fall out, mm -hmm. you know? So once I got that fixed, mm -hmm. so, um, I got on one horse in 2000 at the PCA finals down in Biloxi and it, kind of popped out again and i said this is it it's a funny story i sold my bareback rigging mm -hmm. i kept my championship spurs that i'd won mm -hmm. for go around at the ifr um i kept my spurs i kept um my chaps and i sold everything in my glove and all that i sold every bit of it for 175 dollars okay at the rodeo and me and frankie pulled some shot craps for 12 hours on that 175 dollars <laughs> oh my i mean from yeah 
I mean, we stayed up all night because I, I didn't even get on my next horse. I just said, you know, I'm done. I said, I'm not going to have this happen every week. Right. So, enter 2.0 of my life. I was always the guy, and you know, well, you didn't know me when I rode bucking horses, but mm-hmm. I was a stock contractor's fan because I didn't pull a lot of rigging. Mm-hmm. I'd hurry and get out on them. Mm-hmm. But the way I hid my fear, for some reason, was, was total comedy. And I would, uh, I would be like, I'd hit myself with a hot shot. You know, all them other guys be scared to death sitting over in the corner. Here I'd be, you know, and I might slide up and say, hey, fat boy, you work here? Yeah, well, open that gate, you know, when I <laughs> right, nodded. Right. And, and I was a goof. And uh, somebody said, man, when you quit, you need to be a rodeo clown. I'm like, shit, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and well, all of a sudden. Were you, were you funny growing up? I mean, did you, did you, were you the class clown? I think that attributes to a good bit of my uh, bullying yeah. was attention, I yeah. think, yeah. you know, yeah. and that stuff. Um, and then I learned to refine that a little okay. bit okay. and okay. get my timing right and not do that at school. Okay. And uh, then I said, uh, I called Bubba Obrey. This was when I got right back home from the IFL, I mean, from the PCA finals that time. And I said, uh, Bubba, I'm thinking about clowning rodeos. You think he could get me some work? He said, here's one, two, three, four, five right here. Okay. I got hooked up with him. Mm-hmm. I did five. Um, the next year I started in January, I got hired by the U.S. Cowboy Tour, which was a deal that we did a lot of uh, rodeos at racetracks. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I started, you know, doing those. And I had an, I was standing in the shower one night thinking about what act could I do? And I did an, the Elvis. You remember Elvis? Mm-hmm. I used to do the big fat Elvis Parsley. Yep. yep. Elvis Parsley cooking show. And I came up with this act and I did it. And it just worked. I mean, it was something so different from anything anybody had done, you know, mm-hmm. as, mm-hmm. as far as a comedy act. Mm-hmm. And it, it worked. And uh, that I went from five to 20. Mm-hmm. And then I had the IFR, you know, and, and, it was neat riding there and then clowning it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it was a really a different deal. Yeah. You know, so I could relax and, and just do me. I didn't have to worry about bucking horses, and I had a paycheck. And I learned that every time that telephone rang, I won first in the clowning, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, I could count on that money. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, I won first place every time they called in the clown at event so, <laughs> at every rodeo I went to. So what? So let me. What year did you start? Did you work the IPRA? Uh, two thousand and one. I got my card. You got your card in two thousand one. Okay. Yeah, and they were also affiliated. Those were IRA rodeos for the U.S. Cowboy Tour. Okay. So I went there and I I did those rodeos uh-huh. and uh, I'll never forget. Um, I got a phone call and, um, I got the barrel at the IFR. Couldn't believe it. So your first year, basically your first big year. My first full year, I got the IFR 2001. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? And, and yeah. what was that like going into the IFR? Been around a long time, right? And a lot yeah, of big, a lot, uh, of, a lot of great folks had come ahead of you. Yeah, they had, you know, I was following Ryan Rodriguez and, and John Gilstrap and, and, 
you know, I, I had no idea being there. I had no idea that I would ever get that part of my life. You know, I, I just, uh, no, I didn't think I'd ever be handed that. I was just having fun. Yeah. And, and so, where did the, where did the jokes come from? Where did the acts come from? I know the Elvis Parsley one you talked about, you said just kind of came to you. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I chose, I started like everybody else doing the old mother-in-laws and stuff, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know, the go-tos that everybody uses. Mm-hmm. And then I got to noticing things in the audience. Mm. You know, there's 5,000 people in the crowd. Somebody's going to do something stupid or funny. You just got to be there to catch it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I did. And, um, we would, uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's kind of where my, my brand of comedy and it ain't always worked. You know, I've, I've had some, less than flattering comments about some of my comedy for a long time, you know, and, mm-hmm. and stuff. And, and I, uh, but, you know, I kind of honed that skill in and I, I got in clowning at the perfect, perfect time. Cause there wasn't a bunch of new guys coming up. Sosby had just started, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. as, as Billy Lee Dupree. Mm-hmm. And he actually gave me my first pair of baggies. Oh, we did. Okay. Yeah. Pair of Dickies. You remember in the IRA, it used to be Dickies. Yeah, yeah. So he gave me that. He gave me those baggies, and I remember wearing them. And it was so cool because he wrote a long note in there, just do you, man, welcome, you know, just mm. so positive. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so I, I remember walking in there at the IFR thinking, my gosh, I'm the, I'm the barrel man here. I, I've made it. You know, this is a most – and I was so scared because everybody was – scared of ronnie williams then mm-hmm. you know he was running it him and dale yep yep wasn't scared it was respect you know i mean because they wanted a way to they wanted it done right you know and the first night uh mark mcgee god rest his soul and uh tim fuller were the announcers mm-hmm. and i had seen this thing i was watching ferris bueller mm-hmm. <laughs> and i remember ferris bueller doing this thing and the I Dream of Genie music came on. Okay. And uh, you know where yeah, I'm going. I do, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and so I didn't tell anybody. I had a flat tire in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, going out on the road. Mm-hmm. And there was a costume store right there. And I went in that costume store just, you know, when I pulled in their parking lot. Yeah. And uh, there was a genie suit in there, man. Yeah. A freaking real genie suit. I dream a genie, not right. a genie like a right. bottle genie. Right. Right. Flip a genie suit, and I bought it. Okay. So it got real quiet there one night at the IFR. We had a breakdown, and I had about a minute. I'd put it on underneath, and I had stuck a little bitty pe- uh, can of baby powder in my in my baggies, you know. Mm-hmm. And it got quiet there, and I said, if we get some downtime and we have time and you see me drop down in that barrel, when you see that puff of smoke come out, you start, well, guess what? Yeah. I did it. And it shut the entire <laughs> IFR down. Right. And that was the first time you'd ever done that? Yes. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Biggest would, stage, what right? I, <laughs> why would I do that? What a dumb thing to do. So I knew it, and this whole rodeo shuts down for like a minute, and these people – I mean, the bucket shoots, the bull rider stopped, everybody quit. 
And I looked around and there ain't nobody doing a damn thing, yeah, dude, but yeah. watching my dumb act. And I said, uh, <laughs> I'm dead. I, I'll, uh, I'll just go ahead and pack my stuff on the first perf here. Really? Really? That was here. your impression at the time. And I mean, no laughing. Yeah, because no. the world stopped, man. <laughs> they were laughing and just carrying on. And I mean, and, and Mark and Doug, I mean, Mark and, uh, Tim, uh, him, yeah. Mark and Tim, they, uh, <laughs> they just put your mics down or sitting down behind. I couldn't even see them behind the podium. And I'm right. like, Oh God, I'm so dead. <laughs> well, guess what? I'm in there and I put my clothes back on, finished bull riding. Yeah. Here, here they come. Hey, Ronnie Williams wants to see you. <laughs> and I went, Oh shit. Yeah. I go walking in there. And he's sitting there, and he's got this, you know, he's scary red-faced anyway. You yeah. know, he's a good man. He just scary. He had a hand as big as a catcher's mitt. Right. And he goes, boy, <laughs> I don't know what you thought you were doing in that arena with that genie suit. Yeah. But that's the funniest <laughs> damn thing I have ever seen in my life. Wow. Where in the hell did you come up with that? And I told him the story. And he said, you shut the rodeo down for two minutes. It was a minute, you right, know. Right, right. And I said, I am so sorry. He said, no, that's the hardest I've ever laughed in my life. Oh, so, my you know, that's where that kind of came from, you okay. know. And. Uh, can you believe that? I can't believe that went like that, Doug. So you were that made. Went down. You were made. Yeah, that that created the character of Rock and Robbie Hodges. <laughs> well, you weren't known gave, as okay. I was going to ask this. When, yeah. Right. So is that when Rock and Robbie started to show up? And you you hadn't no, heard that before? No. No. When okay. I was riding bucking horses, an announcer oh. by kind of a famous rodeo announcer by the name of Roger Mooney used to announce our high school rodeos. <laughs> sure. sure. You know, sure. and he announced Tifton, Georgia, and he called me Rockin' Robbie Hodges right there coming out of shoot number one. Well, I'd never done it again. And then when I started finding in that day, that was yeah. my that was my catchphrase for nice. the rest, you know, nice. been 23 years of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. but he uh, yeah, he, he coined that for me. And uh, but, you know, after that, um. I kind of had my way there for a little bit, you know, cause it worked man, and, man. you know, and yeah. I, I didn't ever get to do the longhorn rodeos. That was one I missed, you know, but I mean, they had, they had, you know, some good guys doing them and I didn't want to interfere with that. I just, you know, I, I've always, everything I've got, I have a, I have a horrible case and, and a lot of this comes from the bullying and it was several years ago and we'll get into that later, but, um, imposter syndrome. Yeah. No matter what I've ever done in my life, any success was a fluke. Okay. You know, that, that was your belief, you mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was, that was just inset into me that anything I'd ever done in my career or my life was a fluke. Mm -hmm. You know, something I was apologizing for winning when I was riding bucking horses to really? my crew really? and stuff. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And some of them even let me apologize. You know, mm -hmm. my biggest regret in life was not riding bareback courses with Will Lowe and Wes Stevenson and that wolf pack. But yeah. I could have probably went to the NFR that them years because I was riding pretty good. You know, I was mm -hmm. I'd stout, mm -hmm. especially before my elbow went out, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, 
I wish I would have went with them. And 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 what would you have gained by going with them with that crew? Those guys I, step up to 2011. Mm-hmm. I uh, they lived with me out on the road the year after I made the NFR in Barrel. Mm-hmm. I had a pick of every rodeo I ever wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I could go. They want me in the Northwest. They wanted me up there. They wanted me, you know, here and there and everywhere. They just would come to you and say, hey, we want you at, you know, Puyallup or Emerton. We want you on the tour finale. You know, mm-hmm. you're the next big thing. So them guys at Caldwell, Idaho, all up through there, we'd start there and we'd go Northwest, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I, every night this thing sat here, this was the mothership. I see. I see. This, this RV. Yeah. And it'd sleep with them do double bunks in the back. Mm-hmm. I had it set up like a bar. Well, mm-hmm. you've seen, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I got it. Uh, I got it every night. Their guys would show up. Mm-hmm. And then I'd say, oh, you know, sit in the, sleep in the back, one on the couch, you know. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have to sleep in that old van. Mm-hmm. And we got to be such good friends. And I would watch them and the way they were. And, like, if a new guy got in that truck and he was 68 points, mm-hmm. you know, and he'd be griping and pissing and moaning about, oh, man, this sucks. Mm-hmm. And Will would look at him with that scary-looking little scary man that he is, mm-hmm. and he'd say, I'm going to let you bitch about this for about another 25 seconds, and then mm-hmm. we're done with it. Mm-hmm. And if okay. you don't stop, we're going to take you out on these railroad tracks and beat the crap out of it because oh, wow. everybody in this van mm-hmm. has been 68 points and rode like a fat man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every one of us have done it. Mm-hmm. So you're not the first guy to do that. So shut up, push pause, and go get on the next one to do better, you know. Okay. But I didn't have that, okay. you know. I had, okay. when I was going, you know, in, in some of the rodeos back in the days, I went with people that, yeah, they loaded you, and, you know, and it just was. Mm-hmm. So I'd learned everything I ever had was an imposter, you wow. know. Wow. Okay. And that, that attributed to a lot of that. Okay. Man, I'm. I'm a mental case when I get to talking about it. Well, well this is all good stuff. This, no, not a wreck. This is this is this is part of the humanity of us. So, did Ronnie Williams validate you? You know, yeah, it, it made it okay. We've okay. been great friends mm-hmm. ever since that night. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I respect him, and you know, I look him up, and then. Like I'll check on him on Facebook every once in a while, or if I'm in Fort Worth playing or something, he'll he'll show up, yeah. you know, and and we're friends. He'll come out to the NFR sometimes and, and stuff, you know, and it's a respect. Yeah. One thing that I hope helped that Doug was that I didn't, um, I never moved up when I went to the PRCA. Mm-hmm. I moved over. I still have oh. my oh. my plaques of clown of the year and and uh, IPRA and my yeah. plaques of, you know, the IFRs and comedy act of the year. They're right next to my red plaques at PRCA. Okay. You know, okay. I, I didn't take them down and replace them. Mm-hmm. I've always, that's, that was a great part of my life. It's one of the funnest parts. And the coolest part now is that once in a while I'll go back and do an IRA rodeo and I'll see those guys. Yeah. And, and they never act like I was, you know, that would be the worst thing in the world is somebody said, well, you know, Robbie, he, he got too big for his britches, and, right, you know, right. Never would, right. never would do that. Right. You right. know, and I, I just out of respect for what that 
and Preston Folks taught me how to rodeo. Mm-hmm. I learned that the Porta Johns and the dirt and the panels and then bucking shoots and all them animals didn't grow there for just me to come get on. Mm-hmm. Somebody had to put that in there and then stick it in the fan and hope they made money, you know. Mm-hmm. And there was times, Preston, you say, you better be glad because uh, we'd have rodeos sometimes and they didn't have a crowd. He'd say, you better be glad we had a good night on the craps table right. or you wouldn't have got right. paid, you know. Right, right. So. Yeah, and the business of it behind the scenes for sure, and and to have oh, that perspective. Oh, so much. Yeah, yeah. I just gained a whole new respect. That's why I never leave a a rodeo grounds trashy. Yep. You know, because yep. I was the guy picking that crap up after. Because I was working for Preston and clowning. Yeah. I was driving a semi. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk. And, we're going to talk semis. I think we're going to do this the next show. We're going to talk semis. Okay. And some other things, but before we go tonight. I want to. Yeah. I want you. You. You bring up. You bring up such interesting. Such interesting um, elements here, being bullied, and then how that. How confidence helped you move through that. Helped you, kind of set that aside a bit, and then you still carried with you. It sounded like that imposter imposter syndrome you call it yeah that i guess that'll be with me for the rest of my life is, is that right is it not moving through i mean are actually, you actually you mm, know what i'm not mm, going to say that because mm. um when we get into the music side of what i've done yeah and yeah the guy that the guy that fate put he and i together on an airplane yeah um changed my life okay okay you know yeah yeah it's it's an interesting story so, so what do you, what do you, what would you today, knowing what you know, and you've raised kids now, you got to show your kids are, um, they're all in college or older, right? 26, 25 and 18. Yeah. And 18. One's just, believe that. yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so what do you tell uh, a third grader that's scared to death to go into school, scared of getting bullied, expects to be bullied? Um, confidence is off. What, what, what would you tell that young person today? Have something in their life. It doesn't matter what it is. Mm-hmm. Whether you're a rodeo guy, you're playing the drums in the band. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, have something in your life that gives you confidence. Mm-hmm. And until you get out of high school, mm-hmm. just be a number. Don't draw attention to yourself. I see. Okay. And okay. I and I and I love I love going to schools and telling that story, Doug. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and I always try to it's funny cuz I'll always try to find uh like if I'm doing autographs now at the PBR, at the NFR, wherever, I'll try to find the little 6-year-old kid with the glasses real thick or the 9-year-old mm-hmm. kid with a little, you know, that might be on the spectrum a little bit. Mhm. Mhm. And I'll make him sign autographs with me, or not make him. You know, I'll yeah. just I'll, have him hey, sit come down. Around. Nice. Yeah, come over here and sign autographs. You're the coolest kid here. I need you to sign autographs. Very cool. And then, uh, right in front of his buddies. Yeah. I see. I just see. to make him special. Yeah. I spend time with kids because I remember going to baseball games during that time when I was in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and. I just wanted one time, I thought, you know what, if one of those baseball players would come over here, of course, we didn't have money, so I always sat up top. 
if one of those baseball players would come talk to me, then people would think I'm okay and cool and wouldn't pick on me. You know, it's so weird. You know, until you've been in that situation, it's really, really hard to explain. Yeah. And, and could you have asked for help? Did you try asking for help? No, I didn't know to me. Okay. I I didn't. Okay. And I'm glad I didn't now. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, hindsight, I'm glad that things turned out. Somebody asked me the other day, you know, what would you change? Mm -hmm. I ain't, I think had I been priv- privileged mm-hmm. or had I been that, I don't think that I would be uh, what I am in the rodeo business today. Because I've noticed this now that I'm older, I'm 55, and I've, I've noticed a lot. 90% of the really, really great guys that I back up in that barrel, those mm-hmm. bullfighters that are really good, the Cody Webster's, mm-hmm. Dusty Tuckness, Blue Jeans, all of those guys came from either rough homes or broken homes or mutts, you know? Wow. And now I've seen some guys with, you know, silver spoon. They never could make it. Yeah. I mean, there's been some. I'm not saying all of them. You know, yeah. there's been some. Yeah. The, the really rich, uh, privileged kids don't make good bullfighters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's weird, but they don't, okay. you know? Okay. And and so they're just more daring. They're just more willing. They're 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 not afraid. They've been bullied. So what the heck? Or what I do you guess think? so. They're just rough. You know, they're okay. just brought up in a different atmosphere. Of the bull might have been a parent. Mm-hmm. I don't. That sounds stupid. No, you know what I mean? I don't no. know how to describe it. But yeah, um, they're they'll be your ride or die more than anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, because they didn't have anything else. This had to work. To get them out of where they were. I see. Okay. That's probably the best description I can give you. Of okay. That. Hey, this has to work, or I'm going to have to stay in this situation. You know. Yeah. yeah. You know, Cody Wester came from a broken home. Dusty Tuckness did. You know, I did. Um, Blue Jeans. You know, his daddy was a rodeo announcer, but you know, he's he's he died of, of drugs. You know, and mm-hmm. and uh, and Blue Blue will tell you the story. I'm not. You know, I'm not giving out any information everybody doesn't know mm-hmm. and it's so neat and that's one reason i'm drawn to kids that i notice you know might be i'm not gonna say going down the wrong path because that's you know everybody chooses a path but just might be you know a little bit underprivileged from the mm-hmm. so I, I try to spend a little extra time with them i guess because i might have been one of them right wow wow this is really good. This is really, really good. Um, well, you know, and we're going to get out of the gloom and doom. And no, that. this isn't gloom and doom. This is reality of where you were. This is reality of of life out there, right? Yeah, that's real life stuff there, man. That's real life stuff. And thank goodness and, uh, for rodeo. Oh, without it, I'd either be dead or there's no telling what I'd be. You know, and... Yeah. Without those two boys, Shaw be walking boys. out there. That yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. without them saying, you know, hey, come over to my house. What would I have done? You know, mm-hmm. golly, it's crazy path, crazy path. It is, it is, and you know, some of those rough experiences. At all those rough experiences. What am I saying? All those rough experiences make you who you are today. 
Right. I, I hope so. I mean, yeah, you wouldn't be so. you wouldn't be Robbie Hodges without those experiences, because they they they've they've taught you a lot of perspective. So when you look at those kids that maybe aren't popular, or maybe maybe struggling right. just a little bit, you 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 have empathy for them, compassion. Oh, absolutely, a hundred percent, hundred percent, and that's you know, a lot of people don't like. Well, nobody does. After you're tired, you go up there and sign autographs. You see a 300, you know, 300 person line, and you know you're gonna be there an hour, hour and a half, and yep, yep. and then this kid will come walking up, and you know, and you can tell he's he's you know he got thick glasses, or he's he's a little bit on the spectrum, or he's rough complected, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, and he might even be by himself or with his mom and dad, and I'll and I'll have him sit down with me, and then when I see a cool kid mm-hmm. come by. Mm-hmm. I'll say, this is Jeremy. You know, he's he's the fan of the night. Man, that's cool. He gets to sit by you. Why does he get to sit by you? <laughs> I said, because he's cool, kid. Shut up and go on. I'll hide under your bed and scare the crap out of you. <laughs> no, you <know>? no. <laughs> he's cool. He's that's cool. That's why. He's cool. Yeah. Uh, that's... that's the only thing I ever wanted to be in my life, Doug, um, is, is cool. You know, and... I'm old now. Yeah. And with what the – what the – Young kids, they call me Uncle Robbie, you know, and yeah, yeah. and now and and they're like, Robbie's the coolest old guy, and that's 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 every NFR, that's every plaque, gold buckle, all that stuff is just to hang up or yeah. give to your girlfriend, you know, yeah. and that's why I love helping these young kids, and, and to me, they'll call, I'll get ten calls a week. What I need to do right here is you watch that on the Cowboy Channel, that bull kind of caught me off guard or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And when they, they care enough to call and ask, that, that this, that's, that's my life right there, buddy. That's excellent. That is absolutely excellent. And and whatever fuels you, fuels you, right? And, and yeah, it, absolutely. It, it'd, be, it'd be easy to get hard, right? Mm-hmm. Or look, you know, look down on everything. Hey, I've been, you know what I mean. I've been, I've been through some rough stuff, you know, um, with rodeos. I've had some disappointments, you know, I've, I've had some rodeos that, you know, I might not get to go back to, or I've had some chances where I thought I might get to go back to the NFR and mm-hmm. that was kind of scrubbed away from me. We'll get more into that, mm-hmm. you know, next mm-hmm. time, but, um, you know, some rule changes and stuff that yeah. affected me Yeah, and, yeah. you know, I felt kind of left out. Now I went, I went to a, I'm not going to say a dark spot. It's just bitter, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we got a crop of new kids and then, Nobody would help him, mm-hmm. so they would call old Robbie, you know, because mm-hmm. I guess they thought, well, he's been through it, you know. You bet. You bet. And to me, that that's once I realized, wait a minute, these these kids are calling me because they respect me. You bet. You know, and you bet. I'm not saying I need praise, but they just, you know, they they're not scared to call Robbie. You and bet. That makes me happy. That's an award in itself. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, and you know? as as I think back on our relationship, right? And and the stuff we did. <laughs> we ain't together. even got to me and you and the oh, good stuff. Oh my yeah. goodness. But but I just have to tell you I never picked up on any kind of imposter syndrome or anything like that. Um, really? No, no. That makes me happy. No, never, never, never. I mean, I always was privileged to work with you and I learned so much with you because I was I was just starting out then too. Right, just really starting to. Well, to, I sure didn't know that, Doug, because you yeah. were one of the easiest, most fun people to. You know, I told you last night when we were talking before mm-hmm. this. Um, mm-hmm. I used to smile 
halfway to the rodeo because you were there because I knew you weren't gonna you know you weren't a hostile work environment yeah. you know I didn't yeah. have to praise no. you no we just went and had a good time <laughs> and we entertained the hell out of a lot of people we did we? we did I can remember I forget where we were up in Michigan somewhere and I remember you and we're going to get into this we're going to call that okay. our formative years of working together next time we <laughs> okay. get together but I can remember you were trying something out and it was hilarious and I'm looking at I'm looking at the contractor saying, no, don't buck anything right now. He's got it going on. Let's let's let him do this. So you stopped the rodeo oh, for yeah. that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The Steve Irwin, wasn't it? The I Steve don't know. Irwin. I don't know who it or was. It was something or who knows. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I didn't see. I didn't know that. That's, oh, yeah. that's amazing. I mean, you know, how can we create space here? Because it was the purest stuff I'd seen. You were creating. <laughs> you were in the moment. You were trying stuff out. We're going to get into that next time we talk. So you got it. Let me let me rewind here just a little bit to where we sure. were. We started the program saying we met in Dayton, Iowa, at a rodeo, mm-hmm. right at big rodeo, uh, uh, Labor Day weekend. I had yep. worked with your friend Cody <laughs> Sozaby. Oh yeah, in rodeo in Illinois. Okay, first time I ever worked with him, and he, he, I'm laughing, and they probably looked at me, you know, the, I think it was Folks's Preston and that crew going, what in the yep. world are you doing up there? Get on with the rodeo, and Cody just cracked right. me up. I and, know. And so we come God, rolling funny. into Dayton, right? And as yeah. I turn into, into the ground, <laughs> I don't know where to park, and here's this guy, and he doesn't have the flashlights like he's an air traffic controller, you know, the flight controller. <laughs> but, man, he is waving me in, and I'm like, this cat doesn't even know who I am. This is so cool. So, yeah, and I was like, come on back. You absolutely. got it. Yeah, right under them. T- you want under the trees? That's or you right. Want- That's right. Where do uh, you want to be? That was a fun rodeo. Oh, my goodness. It? it was. Do you it remember? Was. We'll leave this on a funny note okay. with that okay. rodeo. <laughs> Go ahead. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Probably one of the top five stupidest, funniest things I've ever done was as everybody's leaving that rodeo yeah. with the pianist, the organ guy. The you organ that? guy. Absolutely. Yeah. And I said, I went up there with you and I'd known you for three damn days. Yep. Yep. And we're up there and I said, do you mind if I play this thing while people are leaving? And he goes, do you know how to play? I said, absolutely. <laughs> There was only one problem. Yeah. I didn't know how to, I couldn't even, I couldn't find a note no. on a, I don't have, have any idea about how to play a damn piano. And I, I was playing Highway Run. You remember that's when I was doing right. that? And I it was do. just banging it out. Yeah. Just, and it, not one note worked. Yeah. I cannot believe it. And that guy just looks at me. People are turning around oh, as they're, they're walking up. They're that. up on the hill. Right, they're across the high bank, and they're looking at back Absolutely. like, who in the hell is playing that damn organ? That and, was so and, funny. And if they could have seen you, if they could have had, if they could have seen you, they would have understood because at that time you had a pink tutu on when you're playing yes, the organ. There you go. Yes, I did. So, I did because I had never changed because it was so hot and I didn't have time and I popped out <laughs> later. We didn't have a lot of bull riders, so here I go. Yeah. Why? Why did I do the things I do? Uh-oh. I still look back sometimes and go, what was I, what was I thinking? Yeah. Yeah. And why did I do that? You and, know, and, and sometimes I have to stop and 
sometimes I'll start to do something and I'll think about it. I'm like, wait a minute, that's like the Oregon in Dayton, right. Iowa. <laughs> right, right, right. No, no, no. They're, we're going to get into that. Um, they're, but you I was know. so serious when I was playing that organ. Oh, you I mean, were. I was just, it was. I it, looked like Greg Allman up there playing and not one note. Right. That, that I played no. that was any good. Right. Right, oh, but it didn't Lord. matter. You were entertaining. You were entertained is probably a better way of saying it. I was. And, I was and we were cracking up. I mean, we were cracking up watching the people. They're lugging their chairs up that hill, and they'd stop. And they'd turn back, and they'd look. <laughs> and there was not one note no. on that damn organ. That no. was right. No. Not one. I just no. started beating on the keys. You did. Highway run. That's right. It was perfect. Golly. Robbie, sometimes that works. Sometimes that works. No, you can't repeat that. See, if we'd have done that the next day, you cannot. It'd have been too set up, right? Been too set up. Too perfect. That that certainly was not. Hey, can I can I play this as they're leaving? You know how to play? Absolutely, (laughs) (laughs) idiot. Well, he was pretty stupid for believing me. It, in a in a tutu, but he let you go, didn't he? He let you yeah, go. Yeah, he so. I mean, and I played a three minute song. You did, sort of. You did. No, yeah. you stuck with it. You never, you never let up. Oh, it, was, there. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty cool. Well, and Rob, then they drank that swamp water and burn a picnic table that night. You remember that? Good Lord, oh have my. mercy. Uh, yeah, lots what a going fun on. Time. What a God, fun time. Next, I can't time, wait to get into us. Okay, next time we get together, and we're going to do it soon. Okay. Okay. Uh, we I are going to get into what I'm going to call the formative years, right? Oh boy. Oh yeah, yeah. You and I working together and all the stuff you had done. You you touched on some of it just a bit, but yeah. we're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun. So oh gosh, before sir. we go, before we go here yeah. tonight, anything you want to say to our listeners? I'm going to put you on the spot. Flat put you on the spot. Um. Yeah, I do. Okay. The hardest part of rodeo is not the bulls. The hardest part of rodeo is is not the danger of being a barrel man or getting run over. The hardest part of rodeo anymore is making 5,000 people laugh and not making one of them mad. Mm-hmm. It's the hardest thing in the world. People don't understand. Not one rodeo clown in this world ever walked in that arena with the intention of hurting somebody's feelings. We can't vet 5,000 people. Mm -hmm. You know, I can say, okay, attention, all you people with noses. Hey, man, that ain't funny. I ain't got no nose. Right, right. You know, what we're doing out there is trying to kill time, and we're doing the very best we can. Me, Sos, Mm -hmm. John, Rump, you know, give us a break. We don't know your problems. Right. right. We'll care about them, mm-hmm. but you got to let us know. Mm-hmm. Not by email on Tuesday. Right. Right. That is the. And okay. unfortunately, mm-hmm. we've all become so jaded because people will get mad about anything anymore mm-hmm. that we're like, heck with it. We're just going to say what we're going to say and deal with it. You know, mm-hmm. if somebody would just come up and they never happens where mm-hmm. somebody says, Hey man, um, you know, I've got a, I got a child that's confused. Mm-hmm. Hey man, my, my mom's a Democrat. My mom's a Republican. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't really appreciate the joke. You're making fun of the president or so I don't do that anymore because you're alienating 50% of your crowd, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you're 
you're lending us your ears for two hours of rodeo. Okay. We can't know what bothers you. So if it bothers you, go eat some popcorn. Okay. Get over it. We're, we're not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. And it's so hard to make that many people laugh and not aggravate or, or hurt one of them's feelings. You know, I'm sorry. Yeah. But not not one of us has ever walked in that arena with the intention of breaking somebody's heart, ever. Yeah. It would kill us if we knew we did it. But you 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 send out an email on Tuesday when we can't defend it. Mm-hmm. Come over and talk to us if you have a problem. Right, right. Ah, well you said. Know. You bet. Well said. Well said. I can appreciate that. And I'll leave you with that. Well, my friend, this has been a hoot. You have I shared. I have had a ball. Oh, man, you have shared so much cool stuff. Um, well, Doug, you were my favorite people to work with, well, and I'll say it again. I mean, I I don't – I'm sorry we didn't – you know, we went different paths. Mm-hmm. I didn't move up. I moved over, you yeah, know, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You went off and represented give, us. You went up – you went off and <laughs> represented us. I just got to tell you that. Well, I, I'm proud I hope, of you. I hope I did you proud. Well, I am you. very I, proud of you. Yes. Well, I'm proud to have you as my friend. All right. And we don't have to talk every 30 minutes and re-up our friendship either. You know, that's, that's right. the best part of this whole that's, deal. That's right. And one more thing, and I'll leave. Yeah. Whether you and I liked each other or not, yeah. two professionals should be able to walk in that arena, mm-hmm. just like two airline pilots mm-hmm. should be able to walk in that cockpit right there as long as you have the people behind you in mind Mm -hmm. that your job is to keep them safe and entertain them on that airplane it's the same thing with us we should doesn't matter who it is Mm -hmm. you change your style but two people should be able to go in an arena with totally different backgrounds totally different whatevers and and do a job and make it where those people are entertained Mm -hmm. but you were always a notch above it and we always had fun we had fun god you made me want to work (laughs) you made me want to do stupid stuff right right and i love that you know i mean it it was a it was a brotherhood like sammy davis jr you know and you know or or, uh, yeah yeah Yeah. dean martin and jerry lewis you know it was i was the you know, I was the Jerry Lewis, and, and you were the <laughs> Dean Martin. You were the straight guy, <laughs> right, you know? Right, Absolutely. Holy, oh, how holy fun. crap. But how you fun. made me that way. You made me You made me a way better clown than I was, man. Well, very proud of you and, and, and loved absolutely every minute of it. So well, next time we get together, we are going to talk about those formative years. Oh, where, God. Where, where we cut our teeth, right? Is that how you'd say yeah, it? Yeah, we, we, we did. I believe did. so. Yeah, we, we did. Oh, go, man. And we lived through it. We did. We did. Uh, we cringed every once in a while, didn't you? Did. I, uh, <laughs> there there have been times. Absolutely. There have been times. <laughs> but you always laugh through my stuff. But sometimes I did that on purpose, man. <laughs> I, know, I know. Actually, every time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Doug, thank you yes, so sir. much for this opportunity to tell this story. Oh, I love it. You know, there, there'll be some more of it, man. Yeah, it's, right. it's enjoying it to tell with you. All right. You Perfect. announce like you do this, man. It's okay. very personal. I, I, I really enjoy it. So so happy to happy to be with you here tonight. Just just tickled for what you've shared with our folks. And with that, we're well, going to say good night, Robbie. All right. All good right, night, everybody. Friend. Good night. This quote from Robbie's story stands out for me. Have something in your life that gives you confidence. 
I look forward to more conversations with Robbie in the near future. And I hope that you enjoyed this episode of Beyond the Shoots. If you do, or if you did, please share it with your friends. Help us spread the word. Share it on Facebook. Help someone find it on their phone. Help them follow it. To make your listening easier, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Search for Beyond the Shoots and follow us. Reminder, check out the New York State Rodeo Museum Facebook group page and become a member. Thank you to Parasite Systems for their support of our podcast. Parasite System is a push-button parasitic diagnostic system for pasture animals, horses, cattle, goats, sheep, and chickens, and for your companion animals, your dogs and your cats. Get focused on the treatments you need. Get the data you need to properly treat your animals for the exact infestation that they are carrying. You can find them at ParasiteSystems.com. That is site spelled S-I-G-H-T as in C. And remember to use the coupon code BTC023 for 50% off their specimen kits. This is Beyond the Shoots. Until next time, thank you for listening. <laughs>